Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to Shana Sissel, our guest for the half hour. Shana is the president and CEO of Banry on Capital Management. She's on the line from Chicago. Shana, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Let's begin with uh, the Fed speak that we heard today. A couple of officials pushing back us on the idea that tightening is nearing an end. But I think one of the key points is uh, John Williams, the head of the New York Fed, saying the Fed should avoid incorporating financial stability risk when considering the path of rate hikes. This seems a little dicey. Are you concerned when you hear a statement like that? I'm absolutely concerned, but I'm not surprised. They've been telling us for a while that they're not concerned about that whenever they said that people will feel pain. Uh, So it's concerning because financial stability should be some part of their decision-making process. Uh, But they have been very clear for several months now that they intend to uh, maintain this aggressive tightening and uh, rate hike uh, philosophy for as long as it takes to get inflation to the point where they are comfortable. And the problem is that a lot of the um, economic indicators that you look at to see about the health of the economy, things like consumer spending, uh, things uh, of that nature, um, and even just inflation in general, they're lagging indicators. And so um, relying too much on that is a mistake, I think, and absolutely is a dicey uh, decision that could lead to a much worse hard landing as opposed to the soft landing that everyone keeps hoping we can have. Well, Shana, this is the thing, but there's got to be a trade-off at some point. There's got to be a level at which they do not wish to inflict pain beyond. You would think that, but again, you don't know that. A lot of the indicators that will suggest what the pain is are lagging, so they won't know that till it's too late. For example, you know, retail sales came in better than expected today for October. That in no way indicates that the consumer is not stressed or under any stress. We probably won't know that till after the holiday season. And yet, if you look at the results from Target, they seem to suggest that shoppers are pulling back. But yesterday's numbers from Walmart indicate that higher income shoppers are trading down. So the, the market seems a little bifurcated. Well, if higher income shoppers are trading down, I would suggest that that is an indication of consumer stress. Okay, fair point. Now, what do you make of the semiconductors? Is this a macro story when you look at the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index today tumbling after Micron said the outlook for the new year is weaker? Uh, I think it is less a story about the fundamentals of demand and more a story of the macro picture. I think there's a lot of stress on semis because of their reliance on 
uh, China in particular for their supply chain. And China has this zero COVID policy that they're likely to continue uh, for at least another year that you know people are saying 2024. Shane, you know, it's it's odd that we might be seeing a little bit of a change of heart coming from Xi Jinping. But, uh, you know, the thing is, you look at uh, who's going to have where your bread is going to be buttered more. And I guess you've got to really look at the West rather than at Russia. I think that's true. The, a lot of the Chinese economy is far more reliant on the West than it is uh, on Russia. Uh, and I think um, he realizes that. Uh, so, you know, you got to figure out what's going to lead you to be successful and keep your people happy, which I think is extraordinarily important in the the type of government that they have. Uh, And so I think that that has a lot to do with sort of the softening of of some of his tone with the rhetoric uh, for in support of Russia and against the West. Well, and at the same time, I think there's another agenda there, given uh, the fact that there are some very strict uh, prohibitions that have been uh, put on by the Biden administration when it comes to advanced technology. And I'm thinking of the semiconductors in particular. So at some point, China is going to have to maybe consider that as a factor in uh, U.S.-China relationships. I'm sure it already has, but that's the more time goes by, uh, the more critical that issue is going to become. And now we're seeing the, the move on the part of Beijing to attend to the weakness of the property market, to deal with COVID zero. All things taken together, would you be tempted to put money to work in the Chinese economy right now through the equity trade? You know, every time I am on with you guys, you ask me this, and I always seem to have the same answer, and it, it hasn't changed. I'm, I'm not a fan of investing in places where the government has far too much influence over the markets and at any given moment can really change things beyond the fundamentals. Um, So at the moment, I don't see enough progress there to feel comfortable putting money to work there. So where are you putting money to work? It begs the question, of course, Shana. So I have, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I've mentioned a lot of the things I'm going to mention are not going to be new to you. Um, I have been focusing on some of the less uh, exotic, uh, less sexy names, Staples, healthcare, industrials. One of the names we talked about the last time I was on continues to be one of my favorite stocks um, and kind of falls into the industrials and healthcare, which is Lidos, uh, a government contractor. Um, has a very strong health division that is growing fast. You know, I just I hadn't taken a look at the stock uh, and its performance uh, in a while. And I, I, I have to admit, I, I just looked it up and was kind of shocked. Um, I don't know if it's going to continue that kind of momentum, but um, I certainly think that some of these names which have defensive qualities to them uh, are the names I want to be in because I am kind of preparing for the fact that the fourth quarter and probably the beginning of 2023 is going to be rough as the economy really starts to show the stress of the Fed policy. So if your theme, one of the themes seems to be tied to a little bit more spending on the part of corporates, let's call it CapEx, and maybe a little bit more government spending too when it comes to technology. Can I interest you in Cisco Systems? The numbers after the bell today on the revenue side, top estimates, would you chase the stock here? Uh, it has some fundamental issues just industry-wise, but it, it is a stock that I've looked at before. I think it's quite interesting. I, I've gotten burned on that stock a couple times, so I'm, I'm hesitant. Uh, but yeah, the fundamentals and the strength and, and exactly what you're talking about certainly makes that stock uh, interesting, and it's definitely worth a, a second look. Um, you know, I, I have to get over my, my PTSD as it pertains to Cisco. <laughs> 
What about crypto? Okay. It, it, speaking of PTSD, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the crypto space, you've got to be recoiling somewhat. Are you are you tempted to play in this arena at all? So I am, but very tentative at this point. I think that we're kind of at that massive, uh, all the news is bad news part of the market that we kind of saw when the tech bubble burst in uh, 2000, uh, you know, pets.com, like all these companies that were major um, you know, successes going into that, that just completely like died and we've completely don't exist anymore. Um, it's hard to kind of go through the casualties and figure out who can be saved. And so crypto kind of feels like that to me right now. But I think the blockchain is here to stay. Shana, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Shana Sissel there from uh, Banrian Capital. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.